Good morning, brothers and sisters. I would like to welcome you once again to another online service with Grace Christian Church. And while we are once again in our own homes, while we are obeying and adhering to the restrictions of social distancing, it is a privilege that we can still gather like this online and worship our God in spirit and in truth. I would like to say thank you to Chris for leading us in worship once again. It's always a blessing to be able to sing songs of praise to our God. This morning, before we get underway with looking at the Word, I thought it would be appropriate for us as a church just to spend some time in prayer. There is a lot going on. There are a lot of changes that are happening. On Friday, my wife reminded me that over the span of about three to four days, nearly 10,000 people crossed over into eternity. And my wife just shared with me and said, that is an amazing loss of life. And it is. We truly are vapors that appear for a little while and then vanish away. So it's important that whilst we are in the best of circumstances, health-wise, I guess you could say, is not to, not to waste the time that we have. May we be wise, redeeming the time, because truly the days are evil. And so I thought it'd be appropriate for us to spend some time praying, to pray about this global pandemic that is going on and how it's affected not only our lives, but the world. The whole world has been placed on lockdown to pray, to pray for people within our church, those that are at risk, we have our uncles and aunties within the church that are at risk, and I'd like to thank you for your wisdom and for your, your testimony of, of being able to still serve faithfully and be involved in people's lives, even while the lockup is taking down, to pray for people in the front lines as well, not only doctors and nurses and research people, but even the people from our very own church, the likes of Alyssa, the likes of M. Tang, the likes of Carm May, uh, Nathaniel and, and Faith and so many others that are in the front line as well to pray for our Prime Minister Scott Morrison and whilst we all may have our own opinions and for some our own criticisms of him as our leader the reality is God has appointed him as our leader and he is deserving of our prayers and he is deserving of our support and then after that I'll pray for the sermon and then we will share some time in the word together so please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God that is in complete control, that you are sovereign, that you truly are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we come before you now and cry out to you and ask that by your wisdom, by your grace, and by your sovereignty, you will reach down and intervene in what's taking place on this planet even now. There is so much uncertainty. There is so much fear there is so much anxiety that is taking place within society today. And, and I pray, Father, that you as being the Prince of Peace, you that has and grants a peace that overcomes the world, we ask that you, by your grace, will touch us even now. Father, that you will intervene, that you will bring this pandemic to an end. Father, that you will give us wisdom to be able to recognize your hand at work and your hand moving even though we may not see the full picture, we know that you do have all things under control. 
Father, and while we wait on you, we pray for those who are at risk now, for the uncles and aunties that are older, that may have weaker immune systems, those even within my own family who have weak immune systems, who are susceptible to things like this. Father, we pray your protection on them. May that you cover them with the blood of Jesus, even now, and that the blood of Jesus will just protect them from any harm, from any illness, because, Father, you have overcome all such, you know, all things. Father, we pray for those from our church that are in the front lines, even now, for the likes of Alyssa, the likes of M. Tang, and Carmay, and like so even for Danny Christmas, we pray for Emily and Nathaniel as well. All those people that even that aren't part of the health system but are still going out day after day into the community. We pray for your protection upon them. I pray, Lord, that you will give them the wisdom to follow the correct procedures. We pray, Father, also that you will help them and protect them if anything takes place. Lord, you are truly a great and powerful God. And we ask that you will give each of these people wisdom and how they conduct themselves. But also, Father, you will just grant them a great and gracious protection as well. Father, I pray for us as a church that you will help us to be able to recognize what's going on around us as we look and we see things taking place. Father, give us the wisdom to recognize what's happening, to recognize things that are going on within our families, things that are going on within our, our, our friendship groups, things that are going on within our church, things that are going on within our community. Father, give us a discerning spirit to be able to not only see but recognize what's going on around us and to be either a comforting ear, to be an encouraging word, to be a blessing to those who are close to us and those who are just outside of us as well. Father, we pray for our Prime Minister Scott Morrison and pray you'll continue to give him wisdom. Um, it's a difficult job leading an entire nation and while everybody has their own opinions, Father, he is your appointed leader of our country. So I pray, Father, that you will give him a wisdom and a discernment, that you'll give him the ability to make concise decisions, that you'll give him the ability as well to recognize what's going on and to respond accordingly. Father, protect his wife, protect his family as well. We ask for your blessing upon the, the Morrison family, Lord. And Father, in his leadership, we pray that you will anoint him and that you will give him, Father, just a direction that not only honors you, but also blesses the people as well so father we commit all these things into your hand and we pray as we look into your word this morning you might minister to our hearts father we need to hear a word from you father we need your help we need your divine sovereign hand to make a move in each of our lives father please help us now give us sensitive spirits give us open ears give us clear vision of you and all your glory please help us lord and please hear our cry in jesus mighty name Amen. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty huge what's going on today. And so today I want to share with you a bit of an encouragement, mainly because, yes, we've been looking at Colossians and we've been looking at some amazing truths in Colossians. And we look at the celebration of God's love that is reflected in the church when we looked at who Jesus Christ is, the sheer magnificence, the sheer bigness, the sheer greatness of who he is as, as our God. And as our Savior, the Lord really burned my heart today to share with you a word of encouragement because the world really is experiencing something new. I mean, think about this. Yes, we're in lockdown at the moment. Yes, we are in isolation and we are keeping ourselves at a distance. For us who are relational beings by nature, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. And so we 
deliberately now keep ourselves distant from each other in the name of health reasons. It, it's really quite interesting how this now is, is completely foreign to us as a people, to us as a planet. I mean, the life that was lived even last year has changed from then. No longer are the, the enjoyments of going out to have dinner with a group of friends. No longer the enjoyments of going out to the movies and sitting down in a group of people and being entertained on a big screen. No more are the, uh, are the times of just going out to the gym and, and exercising and meeting people there. That seems so long ago now. And so now, while we're all huddled in our homes, while we're all getting frustrated with what's going on around us, I thought, man, I would love to bless you with an encouragement today. An encouragement to get our eyes off maybe our situation, to get our eyes back on the Lord Jesus, but also to interpret our situation from God's perspective and how it could be something that could really glorify God and allow us to fulfill our calling even while we are in our homes. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings 18. We're going to look at 1 Kings 18, and we're going to look at a character in 1 Kings 18 that I think when I first read about him many, many years ago, I considered him to be a bit of a coward. But under closer examination, you see the wisdom as well as the weakness of this individual character. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 18. And to provide a bit of context, 1 Kings 17 is where Elijah the Tishbite approaches King Ahab, who has taken the nation of Israel into a complete state of apostasy. Ahab, who submitted to his wife, his wife who had gone around killing the prophets of God, are now suffering the consequences of their disobedience. Elijah the Tishbite, he goes, he confronts King Ahab and basically says to him, it is not going to rain until I say so. And then we find after he leaves from there, he goes to the brook Cherith where God provides for him through ravens as he drinks from that river. That's in Second King, sorry, 1 Kings 17, 14. We read how after the brook dries up, he goes to, and finds a widow of Zarephath and spends some time there where God miraculously provides for their situation as well, where flour and oil would never run out. That's uh, verses 21 and 22 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Now in today's passage, it is three years later. Three years later, King Ahab has gone to and fro within the kingdom trying to find Elijah because the land is now in great famine. And so if you want to turn to your Bibles, 1 Kings 18 verses 2, sorry, not verse 3, we'll read verses 1 through to 15. Read along with me. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, 
go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were going to cover, Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in the other. As Obadiah was walking alone, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my lord, Elijah? Yes, he replied, Go tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong? asked Obadiah. That you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. So, sorry, as surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and doesn't find he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, has worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing, your, the, killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. We'll read verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. So, it is here the call of God comes to Elijah to present himself again to King Ahab. It is here that we meet God's person we can learn from. And that is 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 2 to 4. This is where we're introduced to the guy I think we can learn a lot from today. Once again, from his strengths, but also from his weaknesses. And that is the character of Obadiah. In verses 2 to 4, I'm going to read them again. It says, So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, verse 3, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophet, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in the caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. There are several things that is given in this description about Obadiah. First, the position Obadiah had. He was the palace administrator. He was in charge of the king's household. He had a high position of leadership and stewarded and managed all the affairs that take place within the palace. Secondly, he was a devout believer and follower of the Lord, although secretly. In a time of Israel's history, when a queen had successfully eliminated a number of God's prophets, and I'd say almost anyone else that publicly, publicly followed the Lord, it wasn't the safest place to be in such a leadership, leadership position and hold to one's relationship with the Lord. Thirdly, he, with his influence and with his resources, was able to practically and successfully be a help and a blessing to a number of people that the queen was looking to kill. I mean, think about this. He had a position of leadership. 
He was a follower of the Lord. He had connections, he had resources, and he helped the best way he knew how to in that position by hiding 100 prophets, 50 in each cave, and supplied food and water to them. You know what that shows me about Obadiah when I look at this? This is what I consider one of his strengths. You know what that shows me? Here's my first point. Obadiah's effective service in the midst of limitation. Obadiah's effective service in the midst of limitation. Obadiah had limitations placed on him that prevented him from openly and publicly proclaiming his faith. So he wisely and cautiously used his position to serve others that were in great danger by putting himself in great danger also. He served the best he could by identifying the need and by the grace of God sought to meet that need. I look in the history of the church and I see a person after person. I see woman and man after woman and man who in like manner were, according to Hebrews 11.15, were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. You look in history, and I'll encourage you to look at some of these people. Say the likes of Corey Ten Boone, who, who hid Jews from the Nazis during the Second World War. I read of the likes of William Tyndale, who at penalty of death translated the Bible into the common language, which back then was English. I read of the likes of Richard Wormbrand, who took a stand, and I'll once again encourage you to either watch or read the book, uh, watch the movie or read the book, tortured for Christ, who made a stand and ended up suffering prison for 14 years because he held to the gospel. I encourage you to read the book that we got from Voice of the Martyrs, Hearts of Fire, eight women who once again secretly held to the Lord and then when confronted made a public declaration of who God is and the relationship that they shared with them. In such limitations, people like this still sought to preach the gospel in word, yes, but also in deed. There are those who have testimonies that have such physical limitations. The likes of, say, Helen Keller, who was both deaf, blind, and, and mute. And yet, and yet she could communicate and experience the wonderful life-transforming grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I read the likes of Nick Wojcik, the, the gentleman that only has, I believe, one foot. And, and, and well, yeah, he's got one foot. That's it. He has no legs. He has no arms. And yet he publicly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember as a young Christian, I read the testimony of Johnny Erickson Tata, who paralyzed, is able to not only paint, but sing amazing songs of praise to our God. I have personal friends who have suffered from the limitations of their family being born in non-Christian homes, coming to know the Lord Jesus, and have suffered whether public shame, whether personal persecution, whether physical beatings. But in the midst of such limitations, such opposition, such hardship, such persecution, they experienced a peace that passes all understanding. They experienced the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. They experienced the, the, the knowledge of the word of life being held forth in power, knowing that living, running, or laboring in Christ is never in vain. 
irrespective of the circumstances, irrespective of the limitations, irrespective of the obstacles, there is still a way to effectively serve God, God's people, and the lost. That's what Obadiah's example shows me here. And it's done so, so that that truth of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 says, that your wisdom, sorry, that you would not rest in the wisdom of men, your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, you may have a limitation that's a physical hindrance. It may be a personal or a public persecution, or it may even be just your own mindset. But there's one thing I do know. It's one thing that we're all experiencing right now. And it's evident by the fact that I'm standing upstairs in a church building by myself in front of a camera, talking to a camera. The limitations of, of this pandemic that has forced us into our homes. Uh, the limitations of this pandemic that has, that has basically closed us off from the rest of the world, as I shared before, even though we are relational beings. But... We don't have, I mean, we think about it, we don't have the same life-threatening situations that Obadiah had or Corey Ten Boone had or, or William Tyndale we, or Richard Wurmbrand. We don't have any of those limitations because we can still now in our isolation interact with what we're doing here. We can still in our interaction be able to call somebody in our isolation, should I say, call somebody, email somebody, text somebody. Zoom with somebody. Actually, which reminds me of something that's going to be happening today. Today, in the Zoom fellowship after the service, um, I have got three questions directly linked to this message. And I would like us to have our breakout rooms in our Zoom fellowship time and talk about these questions. Okay, so uh, if you have a pen and a paper, I'd like you to write down these questions, or my brother John or Chris will post these questions uh, not only on the Zoom chat, but probably on the YouTube channel as well, for us to think about and meditate as we go through this particular message or continue in this particular message. Okay, God has allowed all this to take place in order for us to look at and identify how we can effectively serve God and how we can effectively serve each other as well as the community at this time. Here's some practical thoughts for you to think about, okay? You know your context. You know your context. You know what you can do and what you cannot do. You know what you do want to do and what you don't want to do, which we often use as what we don't want or do want as our reasons as why we can or cannot do something. You can. You can. In your home, with your neighbors, with people across the street, you can effectively serve God right now in your context now i want you to think about this as you have a look around you right now you might look you might see your you might see your beautiful wife sitting next to you you might see your your handsome husband sitting there on the on the crouch writing down these notes as he's listening to me your children may be playing in the back or doing maybe a sunday school lesson that uh, that, that you got off off the uh, the uh, the children's website you might sit down and you might even be having a barbecue right now i don't i don't know but you might be sitting around right now. How can you effectively serve the people within your home? How can you effectively be an instrument that draws them closer to Jesus Christ? You might be the only Christian in your home. 
and the only opportunity that they get to witness the wonderful and beautiful love of Jesus Christ is through you and through the choices that you make, through the words that you say and through the attitudes that you have. You might be the only gospel, as Gypsy Smith said, the only gospel that your parents or that your siblings or that your children who don't know Jesus, those people who don't know Jesus, you might be the only gospel that they will ever see. And they see the reality of that and how they interact with you and how you interact with them. So how then can you, in your context right now, effectively serve God's people? How can you effectively glorify God? How can you be the instrument that draws people to Jesus Christ, that glorifies him and the wonderful sacrifice that he made for you? How can you do that? Here's some suggestions. As a parent, pray with your kids. Pray with, pray with your kids. As a parent, it could be directing your children's eyes to him who is the author and perfecter of our faith. As a parent, you could be the one that in a time of anxiety is the one that brings peace and security because you are peaceful and secure in the hand of Jesus. If there's one thing that I know as a parent myself, that if I, as the parent, are panicking, then my children will panic. If I'm fretting, then my children will fret. If I stress, then my children will stress. But if I am putting my trust in the Lord Jesus at this particular time, this time of uncertainty, if I have my eyes upon him as well, guess where my children's eyes will look as well? They'll wonder. And I've done this. I've done this. Well, I've looked. I remember doing this at school many, many years ago. Well, I just stand there and look up. I stand in the quiet and I just look up. And then kids would join me. What are you looking at, Joe? I'd be like, can't you see it? It's up there. Now I'm not looking at anything. But then people would join me and start looking up as well. And then over time, while I'm looking up, the group gathers. And now I'm not looking at anything. People would just join me. The thing is this. If my eyes are on the person of Jesus Christ and the context that's going on around me, what happens? Everything that going, that's going on around me becomes secondary. It's no longer important. Why? Because my eyes are up. Now, it's not, a, it's not a pie in the sky by and by when I die. It's not that sort of hope. It's not that sort of vision. It's just saying, if I've got my eyes up, then my kids who are with me will look up as well. The reality of Jesus Christ is reflected in you as parents. And your kids will draw from that. And they will draw from that either the reality or the lack of the reality of Jesus Christ in your life. How can... You effectively serve God and glorify God and effectively benefit others. Well, okay, as parents, it would be investing into my kids. If, if your kids and you and your parents don't know the Lord, it's the exact same thing, that you keep your eyes up. Maybe as a spouse, you can bless your husband or you can bless your wife by praying for each other, by spending time in the Word together. Well, maybe, maybe putting down the Netflix and the stand and the the Disney Plus and all that, maybe putting that to the side for a bit and spending time around the Word of God. You know something that's been really blessing me throughout throughout this time? It's actually, one, the devotional wall. Ali's devotions have been such a blessing and such an encouragement as we go through the Psalms. And then Pastor John's input as well. When he shares little bits here, little bits here, he'll send me a private message as well. All of those things are amazing in regards to encouraging my heart. So think about this. Think about 
How can you effectively serve God's people? By using the tools available to you now to bless others within the church. Ed sends me a video so often. Cass will send me a little message. Joyce will send an encouragement. Jono, Jono will send something silly to do with basketball or whatever. But all I'm saying is that involvement really does have an impact for the kingdom. And so I would encourage you, if you're not part of the devotional wall, if you're not part of the prayer wall that GCC has, please email us at leaders at gracechristian.com.au and we would love to get you connected. All we need is your phone number and then we can sit down and we can get that organized and you can be a part of those walls as well. We can sit down and, and, and bless each other and encourage each other because that's how we can effectively serve. And then maybe even as a family to effectively serve the community by reaching out to those family members who don't know Jesus. Reaching out to those neighbors who don't know Jesus. Just, just maybe even just giving a smile to see someone and say hello as you go for a walk. Still keeping your social distancing, but as you go for a walk, just to say hello. It's amazing what you can and cannot do with what's available to you now. And so here is Zoom question number one. Zoom question number one. What are three ways, what are three ways I can effectively serve God and his people at this time? What are three ways? Three ways as you look around and identify, spend time in prayer. Don't write down this, this generic thing. Things that are specific to you and your context. Just don't be generic. Oh, show love. Oh, pray. Like, look, those are wonderful things, but I want you to be specific for you and your context. You don't have to share it. If you don't want to, if it's something personal, but that's the reality. We need to be more intentional, even about how we think and our relationship with Jesus and how we can best serve others. I mean, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And I think it is very, very important. So this is Obadiah that we're introduced to. Okay. First thing about Obadiah is that he still effectively served regardless of the limitations that he experienced. And so, as the palace administrator, King Ahab calls them over and says, Alright, we need to go find some food for our animals so we don't have to kill them. They split up and they go in two different directions. Obadiah is walking and we read in verses 7 to 11, which I won't read again. He meets Elijah and recognizes who he is. That's in verse 7. Elijah tells him to go and fetch King Ahab in verse 8. And Obadiah sees this, not as a great excitement and a great opportunity, but as a death sentence in verse 9. Mainly because Ahab had been searching far and wide for Elijah over the past three years and even forcing people to say, if you don't have Elijah, you better swear it or else they would suffer the consequences if he was actually there. And so for Obadiah, he's like, you mean I have to just go over and tell him and say Elijah is here? So at first, at first glance, you can think, and this is what I thought when I first read the story was like, come on, bro, come on. I mean, why are you doubting Elijah? Just do what he asks. But it's in this example, we are given what I guess you could consider. It's not so much a, a super or a strong weakness, but it is a weakness nonetheless. It's an insight into Obadiah's perspective that I can learn from and that we can learn from. And here's my second point from Obadiah's example. Obadiah's awareness of God's working in the middle of trial. Obadiah's awareness of God's working in the middle of trial. That's in verse 12. This is what he says. I don't know where that spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. 
If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Obadiah knew. Obadiah knew, whether from history or whether from personal experience, that God will do as he chooses. God will do for his creation and with his creation as he deems fit. Remember, we've been looking at that over the past few weeks with Easter and even the week before. The sovereignty of God is such that he will do as he deems fit. He is not governed by circumstance. He is not bound by what people say or what humanity says. He is bound by his word and by his character. Psalm 96 verse 10 says this. The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. It is of note that while Obadiah had an awareness of God's working in Elijah, not knowing where the Spirit would lead him, if that was the case, Elijah had full disclosure as to why he was there and why he would stay there. I want to explain that again. So Obadiah had an awareness. I may not know where the Spirit of the Lord will take you if I leave you here. He had awareness of that the Spirit of the Lord will take and will move Elijah wherever the Lord deems fit. That was, that was Obadiah's perspective. And, I, and I, I think that's great. That's a wonderful thing to have. But Elijah had full disclosure as to why he was there. See, Obadiah wasn't privy to that. Elijah was. Elijah, Elijah knew why he was there and why he would remain there. And I think sometimes, for me at least, I don't know how it is for you, but for me at least, my attitude is sometimes like that of Obadiah's. I have an awareness of the Spirit's moving. I know that the Spirit is working, even in this situation now. I know the Spirit is moving somewhere. I know the Spirit is doing something, not only within my home, but also within your home, within this church. Within this community, the Spirit of Lord, I have an awareness that the Spirit of God is moving. And yet for some of us, and I think even for myself, I think our limitation of our vision is that we don't see the bigger picture of what God can be doing. We don't have that full disclosure that like Elijah had in this specific context. And I think it's because my concern can be for the immediate. I can be expecting immediate results. Or be wanting immediate results that it blurs my vision where I can't see the full disclosure that, say, an Elijah type person would see. Being able to recognize what God is trying to accomplish in the midst of trial, of testing, and it may, even in triumph. In John 16, Jesus shares how the Spirit will reveal truth, bring judgment, and glorify Jesus. That's what the Spirit's role is. One verse speaks to the desire that the Lord Jesus has for us. And that is in verse 12. It says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I'll say that again. Jesus talking to his disciples says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. They weren't ready for it then because the Spirit had not yet come. But Jesus wanted to open their eyes to see more. Now, we're not ready yet in the natural man. 
because we have limitations. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, it says, "Eye has not seen," meaning that our natural eyes cannot see and grasp the spiritual realm or the movement of God. Our natural eyes, nor ear heard. Our our ability to hear the voice of God, the natural ear, is incapable of hearing and recognizing the voice of God. Our ears and our eyes have to be opened by the Spirit. Neither has it entered into the heart of man, meaning our emotions, our natural emotions, our natural being, who we are as people, our carnal nature. It, it can't enter that. We, we are incapable physically of recognizing, of, of seeing, of, of hearing, and of interacting relationally with the spiritual, with who our God is. It's completely beyond us, the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love Him. We are incapable of that. In the natural, we are incapable of recognizing and acknowledging some things. That's why we can't bear them now. Because the Lord Jesus wants to reveal more to us. That's why we read in verse 10, but the Lord has revealed these things to us by His Spirit. It's, it's having spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, the spiritual renewal within that enables us, enables us to recognize what God is doing and what God wants to do within our lives and within the lives of those around us. It is when the Spirit awakens our spirit. It's when the spiritual man is quickened and made alive. It is when we are made new creations in Christ that we have the opportunity, the opportunity and the avenue to have that full disclosure of God's moving to. Now, please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we're going to know completely everything that is the mind of God in every given circumstance. Just like Elijah had full disclosure of what was happening at that moment. It was at that moment. He knew he, why he was there. So I'm not taking the whole thing because the whole thing is given to us in this. This is the insight that we've been given. And that's why we see so much of God's heart, of, of God's desire, of God's goal, of God's plan, of God's purpose within these pages. That's why I encourage you and me to spend time in this, meditating on this, having God's mind in this. Okay, that's, that's one of the great blessings that we have. And whilst we may not know the full picture, we know that he does because that's been revealed to us within the scripture. But because, because the, the Lord has so much he wants to say to me, that I can't bear them, maybe it's because I have the wrong focus. Maybe in a given situation, I don't have full disclosure of what's God, what God's doing, is because maybe I have the wrong focus, maybe I have the wrong priority, maybe I even have the wrong understanding. You see, we as, we as Christians, we, we love, we love to adhere to Romans 8.28. We do, and I, I think it's a great promise within the scriptures that we have. One of the greatest blessings for us to actually put things into perspective, to know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. But have you ever considered, have I ever considered that this verse isn't about us being trouble free? All things work together for good. Yes. But maybe, maybe it's not about us being trouble free, but more about us becoming more like Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe that's the ultimate good to be brought out for us. That the trial we go through is that we end up loving Jesus more. That we, that we love Jesus more. Because that's, that's an ultimate good. That we, that we, in victory, praise Jesus 
because he's worthy to be praised. That in difficulty, we prayed and we depended more on Jesus. That in triumph, we rejoice and, and, and as Jesus rejoiced. Maybe, maybe the ultimate good to come about from that verse isn't so much that we avoid all trouble, but rather our relationship with Jesus is deepened. Actually, even greater than that, that we are conformed to the image of his son. Because we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Maybe that is the ultimate good to come about. All things work together for good. Yes, the all things that work together for the good is the good of you and I to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Is not the ultimate good that can be worked for our lives is when one sinner repents and comes to know Jesus for their eternal safety and security. Maybe that is the ultimate good. Maybe when we look around us today and we see all of this going on, the pandemic that's happening, that's affecting all of us, maybe the ultimate good is that people will come to know Jesus because of the testimony you have. Maybe, maybe you come to know Jesus more in this as well. Maybe that is the ultimate good when we look at all the horror and death that's going on around us even now. You see, when I view my life, when I view that verse through God's eyes, through God's word and through God's heart, then I see that the goal in my life is not to have my life full of happiness or to have my life full of wealth or to have my life full of security, but rather that my life is full with him. Maybe that's the ultimate goal. And that, that leads me to true happiness. That leads me to true wealth. That leads me to true security. That regardless of the situation I'm in, it is how I can be moved from Obadiah's awareness of God's moving and into the full disclosure of God's will that Elijah experienced. Maybe that's something to take place within each of our hearts. I know it's something to take place within my heart. And this is something that may help us develop our relationship with Jesus. And as our relationship with Jesus is developed, our relationship with others will be improved as well. Maybe it's to help develop and sharpen our spiritual senses, the, our, our dependence in prayer, our, our dependence upon the Lord in any given situation. The, 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 of looking, of looking, think about, of looking at the people within your home and seeing them as the blessing that they are, that God has blessed you with them. I've shared this a number of times in the past when, when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane and he shares about his disciples and he said he hasn't lost one of them. The relationships you have in your life are a gift from God. And those are relationships that you and I are going to be held accountable for. I still remember D.L. Moody, one of my favorite authors, D.L. Moody, who said the family was instituted before the church. And when you stand before God, God's going to ask you as a husband, how did you care for the wife I blessed you with? First, before he asks, how did you look after the church that I gave you? As a mum, how, how did you look after the husband that I gave you, that I blessed you with, that I gifted you with? How did you, how did you as a couple bless and look after the children, the lives that are within your home? And then as a family, how did you as a family represent Jesus Christ to your neighbors? How did you represent Jesus Christ within your church? That, that those are blessings that God has given you. Don't take them for granted. But rather, okay, Lord, if this person who irritates me right now is the one you've gifted me, then help me to appreciate the blessing that you have gifted me with. That's, I mean, okay, pra practical thoughts. So that's what it might be. 
to develop our relationship with the Lord and develop our relationship with each other, to sharpen our spiritual senses to Him, so then we can effectively identify His moving in the lives of those around us. Now, if you've noticed in our devotional walk, with once again, Alison, who's been doing a great job going through Psalms, I will encourage you, keep reading Psalm, one Psalm a day, because there are some great blessings. Okay, And there's been some encouraging insights from Ali. Reading from Psalm 100 to 105, there are choices that are made by the writer, by the psalmist. We can make to maximize this time. There are choices we can make to maximize the time we have in home confinement. To choose to spend time in the Lord's presence. To choose to worship. To choose to praise. To choose to declare. To choose to focus, but focus in a good way. Not like last week when I ran into a wall, but to focus in a good way on the Lord. For example, I've taken one verse or a couple of verses from some of these Psalms along the way. Okay, Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout, proclaim, make acknowledgement. If our words speak words of life, these are words of life. And we shout with joy to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that I am here right now to praise you. Thank you, Lord, for my wife whom you blessed me with. Thank you, Lord, for my kids, even though they may not be the best of kids at the moment. I thank you that you've given me a chance to invest into their lives. Thank you, Lord, for placing me within this place right here, right now. Thank you. Make those shouts. Make those declarations. Why? Because when you make those declarations, you don't have your eyes on yourself. Psalm 101 verses 1 and 2. I will sing of your love and justice to you, Lord. I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will sing. I'm not going to sing for you. I'm not going to sing. I'm not the greatest of singers. But man, you know, you know what joy comes when you sing songs of praise. You know what, you know the power of music. You know the power of music. You know what music does. And once again, when you sing, you're focusing on what you're singing. And when you're singing songs of praise, when you're singing songs of praise, what happens? Once again, you're praising God for who he is. The beauty of a sunrise, the, the, the wonderful joy of a sunset to the Lord, I've made it through another day. The, the blessing of, of being able to go forth. Thank you. I'll praise God that the fact I can walk. And it's absolutely amazing that when you praise God, sometimes, sometimes you just need to look back and think, wow. Look at what I have been given and praise God for it. Psalm 103 verse 1. Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Verse 2. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Think about that. Forget not all his benefits. Yes, we have benefits physically. The fact that I'm here right now yelling at my phone. Okay, that that's... <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to do this right now. But to praise God, think about this. Praise God for the salvation that he has given us in his son, Jesus Christ. We celebrated this last week. Praise God that he, born of a virgin, lived a beautiful, perfect life, suffered a brutal death for you and for me. Nailed to a cross, mocked, scourged, beaten, buried, resurrected from the dead, ascended on high, seated at the right hand of, right hand of God to make intercession for you and for me. 
Praise God for all his benefits. The fact that now that he's seated at the right hand of God, he has made me acceptable through faith in him and what he has done. That he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That he has made me holy and blameless to stand before him in love. That I'm sealed by his spirit. That I have been part of a family now that is global. That people can listen to this and watch this around the world as we praise our God. Forget not all his benefits. Don't let what's taking place around us right now blind us to the fact that we have benefited beyond comprehension in Jesus Christ. Remember, he is the son, sorry, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, whom you know as Lord, as Savior, and as friend. That's insane. Forget not all his benefits. I mean, I would, I would love for you to just sit down and think, man, look, you've got to go through this. You've got to go through this. Spend time in the Word and look at the benefits that we have received in Jesus Christ. Psalm 104, verse 1. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. You know, I was looking through my computer and I was looking through some old pictures and I saw pictures of my family back in New Zealand. I saw pictures of my, of my beautiful family here, my lovely wife and my lovely dearly. And I saw a, a picture and a story of my daughter and what God had taken her through. Of where, where she went, those of you who do know, in 2017. And I just saw the photos of, of when she was in ICU and, and then just watching her progress and the miracle that she is. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, God, you are good. You are gracious. You are merciful. When you look at the sheer majesty of who he is, when Isaiah 6, when his, his robe filled the temple, you know, his glory, just you can't help but just stand in awe. You go through the attributes of who God is. You write down from A to Z that which is... Just the names of who he is, it, it changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. It takes your eyes of all this going on around you and it just focuses you on him. And then you interpret what's around you through him. That's why when you look at the fact that he's clothed in splendor and majesty, we forget, I forget how big our God is. How great he is. How loving he is. How holy he is. How just he is. Oh, you could just go through it over and over again. I would encourage you to do so. Psalm 105. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalm 105 verse 2. When you look at his splendor and majesty, would you not just sing about it? One of the things I loved about my dad is how he would, he would make songs up over anything. Or he would sing regular things. But he was make songs up over everything. I remember that quite distinctly because I, I, I do that now as a dad. And I'll make dumb songs up. But, I mean, these aren't dumb songs. I'm just saying that when you, when you sing, when there's something that captures you, you, you can't help and it just bubbles out a song, whether you can sing or not. But to tell of all those wonderful acts, after looking at my daughter's, at my daughter's journey, after seeing the, the graciousness and goodness of God, you can't help but just think, thank you, Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for, I think it was 144,000 people that have passed away from this coronavirus. There are 500 and something thousand people that have survived and recovered. Thank you, Lord, 
for the people that have recovered. Um, there are over 2 million that are infected. We don't know where they're going to end up, but thank you, Lord, that there are those who are overcoming it. Thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to, to, to plot and to know what's going on. Thank you, Lord, that, that we, at this current moment, aren't suffering as bad as other countries. Thank you, Lord. Tell of his wonderful acts. And you go through your own life and you see that. I mean, that old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. And count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Maybe, maybe we, during this confinement, take some time to thank our God and to tell of his wonderful acts. Now, I think it's important to state something here. That choosing to do this is not because you get something out of it, but choosing to do this is the privilege and honor that we get to do it. Okay, I'm not saying sing and shout and praise and pray and all that. So I'm not saying that so you get something out, so you feel better about it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you do that because it takes your eyes off yourself and puts it on him. You're doing it not because you receive, rather because you give and you bless. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And you find when you do that, your focus is completely changed on what's around you. That's the reason why. And, and, and I think it's one of the greatest blessings. And I, I, I feel like a parrot. I repeat this over again. This is an honor we get. God has let us come into his presence and praise him in such a way. God has allowed us through the blood of Jesus Christ to enter his throne of grace boldly and ask for help in time of need. He has let us do that. He, he's given us this privilege. It's one of the greatest joys. It's, it's not a matter of, me. I, I demand more. No, no, it's not a matter of you demanding. God's given this to you. He's given you this ability. He's given you this capacity. He's allowed you the privilege to be heard by him. He has given you his ear. He has given me his ear when I pray. And that as his child, I can call out to him and say, Abba, Father. And he responds, he allows me to do that because he loves me. That's it. I didn't do anything to earn that. It's just because he loves me. He has allowed us to do so. I like what one artist, a poet by the name of, uh, his name's Propaganda. There's another poet. But he, one thing he said, he said, give God his breath back. You owe him. He breathed into Adam's nostrils and we became a living, he became a living soul. And in that breath we use to actually curse him, it says, give God his breath back. You owe him. Meaning the acknowledgement that he is God. He is in control and that he is worthy of all praise and honor. That is a privilege he has allowed us to do. Don't take that privilege for granted. Which brings me to my second question. Zoom question number two. Zoom question number two. What things can I praise, worship, proclaim, sing, and shout to the Lord for? What things can I praise, worship, proclaim, sing, and shout to the Lord for? So we can effectively serve in spite of our limitations, in spite of our restrictions. We have to be aware of God moving in and through those limitations, leading to this final point. Trust. Obadiah's trust in God's final word, even though the circumstances didn't change. Obadiah's trust in God's final word, even though his circumstances didn't change. 
So he did his spiel in verse 15 and 16a. We read this. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. You see, this is another example that Obadiah gives that I can relate to. It was a confirmation and a reassurance for him that he could go. Elijah would stay there. The only thing he had to do, and the only thing he had to go on, was Elijah's word. That's it. There was no guarantee. Elijah made the statement, and he said, okay, I will go. And he went. And the circumstance didn't change. There was no guarantee he was going to be back there as far as Obadiah was concerned. Elijah was there under full disclosure from God himself. But he went and he did it. For you and I, because we are limited in our scope, we are limited in our vision, because we don't see the bigger picture, it comes to a point that we, like Obadiah, just have to trust God's word. We have to trust that he knows better. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. I think that's just, and at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Once again, talking about focus. There's the good focus, where we're focused on the Lord, focused on Him, who's the author and finisher of our faith. And as we're focused on Him, for some reason, our vision is expanded to everything around us because we see things from God's perspective, not our own. Now, this is the bad focus. The bad focus is we can be so focused on one specific goal that we fail to see everything else because we're just here. What you see in front of you right now is just me standing in, in, in here. You don't see the bigger picture, but this is all you see. See the cross, see the pulpit, see me in my jacket, my shirt. That, that's all you see, but there is a bigger picture involved. You don't see that. See, what you see on your TV right now, that is our human perspective. That's our human perspective. The greater perspective is God's vision. The whole room, the whole room that I see in here, that's, that's God's perspective. The fact that I'm looking at this, this, see this uh, camera, the fact that I'm looking at this light, um, the, the, the whole setup here, I see this because it's the bigger picture. And, and I think for us as Christians, when we look around us now, we see the pandemic. Yes. We see death taking place around us. Yes. We see things that are going on here, which are completely new to us. Yes. God sees the bigger picture. This is the, the vision. This is the full disclosure that Elijah experienced in this, in this context. And this is where we eventually, even though we may not have the full picture, the full disclosure of Elijah in this situation, then we, like Obadiah, will just have to trust. We'll just have to trust that God knows what he's doing. And, and we won't find out what God is doing until at the end. Maybe in hindsight. Maybe in hindsight we'll look and we'll see that the bigger picture of what God going of what God was actually doing. Um, okay, Genesis. Joseph. Look at Joseph. And well while his brothers were were looking to, to sell him, all he saw was the well. Now, he may have prayed, but he still got sold into slavery. But it wasn't until later when he delivered his, when God used him to deliver Israel from famine, that everything was fully disclosed. 
sometimes maybe it's just like that maybe we'd be like joseph that it won't be until the end until things are fully disclosed but god had a bigger picture daniel and his friends when daniel said we're not going to eat the food of the king's table you give us this that and the other there was a bigger picture involved now the 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 eunuch that was there said man if you don't eat i'm going to die and 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 daniel lays down the stipulations as to what's going to happen well the eunuch didn't see the bigger picture but the bigger picture was involved even with daniel in the lion's den and the enemies that tried to use his very strength which was prayer against him the bigger picture of god wasn't revealed until afterwards that in hindsight we could actually see we have esther who was in a position of leadership and we don't see the value of of her being in that place of leadership until at the end but god had a bigger picture which involved the deliverance of his people in each of those cases the deliverance of god's people was at hand whether it be joseph whether it be daniel whether it be esther ultimately in the bigger picture of god's vision he brought about his purposes for his glory now we look around us and we have limitations in what we can see don't we we have limitations in the places that we live in right now but the reality remains the same that in the bigger picture of what god's doing will be for his purposes that's why i find it really interesting even the facts in which we may look at in the future when we look at the end times but there are things going on now which i find very very interesting which we may need to interpret from the scriptures now there are things taking place continually around us which we do not see which we cannot see which we'll probably never see on this side of eternity therefore like obadiah like daniel like esther like joseph we just have to trust trust in the instruction our lord gives us trust that god knows what he's doing even though we don't now you and i might sit there and say well that's really difficult i guess it can be but there's something that i found really fascinating with all of the stuff going around with the coronavirus and and all that sort of stuff when it comes to trusting and this really struck me as i was looking at this we do know how to trust we do know how to trust you know why because of where we are right now we've trusted everything the government has said the government said social distancing one and a half meters apart we all said okay we'll do that i'll stay away from you and i'll stay away from you and i'll stay away from you little johnny okay we 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 get okay everyone stay home for the place of safety oh everyone else stay home okay yep i'll stay home that means i have to go to work i have to work from home that's fine i'll stay home you don't do this you don't. the government have laid down all these rules and you know what we did we said sure now i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think that's great please don't misunderstand me i'm not saying rebel against government go outside and party hard i'm not i'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is we trusted what these people said for our benefit we saw the benefit that took place we saw the benefit it would have to the community we saw how it benefit every individual around the place those at risk those that aren't at risk whatever's going on but we responded and we said okay because it was a greater benefit to try and restrict what's going on around us so we do know how to trust the problem is when it comes to the things of god we find it difficult to trust because we don't see or it might infringe upon something that i want or that i want to do and i don't trust 
I mean, I look at some of these people that have gone out and partied and gone directly against what the government have said, and they said, I'm not going to listen to it because I want to party. I want to go to the beach. I want to have a barbie. I want to do this, that, and the other. And I think for myself, even as a Christian, the difficulty I have in trusting is because ultimately it's that same attitude I have. I want to do what I want to do, even though I have heard the benefit it may be to me and to my spirit and to my relationship with God. It is difficult to obey when it means I have to get rid of, repent from, or do away or, or lay off that which is detrimental to my relationship with Jesus or to glorify God. I, I, that, that, I just thought that was really interesting for myself personally. I, I'd much rather, well, not much rather, I think I'm learning, even now as a Christian of 20-something-odd years, nearly 30 years, as a Christian of 30 years, God is, is working within me. I mean, the benefit of God's Word, the benefit of obeying God's Word, the benefit of submitting to His authority and submitting to His will, the benefit of that far outweighs anything else because it has eternal consequence. It has eternal consequence. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says that the commands of God are not burdensome. They are His love expressed. The love of God is expressed in the commands He gives that liberates me. It's not a burden that weighs me down. Rather, it's a step that I stand on that lifts me up. That's what the commands of God are. It is how a young man cleanses his way. Psalm 119 verse 9. It is, a, it is how our steps are illuminated and our paths are enlightened. Psalm 109, 105. And because God's word and command, are, they're not a burden, but, but rather a means of purification, a, a means of divine enlightenment, then we, you and I, can walk faithfully in the gospel and serve God effectively, regardless of the limitation, that we would have not just an awareness of his moving, but recognize with full disclosure in any given context, God's hand at work. And then ultimately, even though I may not have all of the answers, to just faithfully and willingly trust that he knows what he is doing. I think that's what I can learn. I think that's what I can learn from Obadiah's example. I think that's what we can learn together. And see, the gospel that gives hope, the gospel that moves us to serve our Lord regardless of what's taking place, the gospel that enables us to see and respond, not just to the awareness that the Lord is moving, but also how he's moving, when he's moving, and what he's moving, and that we as his hands and his feet we, as we respond to God's heart, go out trusting Him, understanding and knowing that He knows what's best. Which, which leads me to the third and final Zoom question. Zoom question number three. What is the major hindrance for you to trust in the Lord and how can that be overcome? What is the hindrance? What is the hindrance? What's stopping you from trusting God? Even now, in this circumstance. It's quite, a, quite an interesting thing, isn't it? We have to understand that He has the bigger picture in mind. That our God knows. That He sees what you don't. He knows what you don't. And He will do what's right, regardless of what you and I think. 
that's that's I think and I, honestly I think that's actually one of the greatest encouragements I can get from this that he is God and he knows he sees the bigger picture we don't so I would encourage you to read through this again I would encourage you to go through the uh, the zoom questions again as we discuss them this afternoon at our fellowship time and um, once again if you're not part of that fellowship time and you want to be a part of it please email us at leaders at gracechristian.com.au we'd love to give you a part of that as well if you're not part of the devotional wall once again uh, contact me uh, via that same email address or if you want to be a part of the prayer wall also speaking of prayer something that i have been doing over the past few weeks is at 9 p.m every night i just pray i pray for the church pray for you pray for family pray for those who don't know jesus um i would love for you to join me that's all it is it just maybe five ten minutes just to pray I set my alarm at 9, 9 p.m. every night, and so it goes off. And so whatever I'm doing, no matter where I am, I'll just pray. I would encourage you to join me in that, to pray about this situation, and that we as a group, we as a church family can pray together. So at 9 p.m. every night, um, join me tonight. Um, you know, there's no calling. There's no Zoom or anything like that. It's just personally, I want to pray at 9. And I've been doing that, and I would love for you to join me to pray at 9 as well if you can't do that maybe nine in the morning or whatever but i would encourage you to set aside some time not only to spend time in the word but just to pray and seek our god in the situation okay so i'm going to close in a word of prayer thank you very much once again for your time brothers and sisters sorry i went on for so long i apologize for that um, i'll try to bring it back down to about 45 minutes uh maybe about three weeks time so have a great day see you in the zoom chat let me pray and we'll call it call it a day okay let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much so much that you are a God that is great, that you are a God that is good, and that you are a God who loves us so much that you not only died for us, but you conquered death and rose again. Father, we thank you for the example of Obadiah, and I pray that you will give us not only uh, the ability to learn from him, but to apply what is learned from him and live that out in our own lives. We thank you, Father, that we can serve effectively, regardless of the limitations that we have right now. That we can serve whether digitally, whether via phone, whether via email, whether via WhatsApp, whatever it might be. Give us the sensitivity and the intentionality to interact with others within our church family and even with those outside of our church family. Father, I also pray that you will help us to have the sensitivity to your spirit, that as your spirit moves, yes, we are aware of him moving. But in any given context, give us the ability to have a full ability to see what's going on. And to recognize your hand at work, even though we may not fully comprehend it. And even though we don't fully comprehend, we pray that you will help us to trust you. To trust in you with all our hearts and do not lean to our own understanding. But rather in all our ways acknowledge you so that you might direct our paths. Father, we thank you that you know what is best. You know what is happening here. You know what is happening now. And I pray, I pray you'll give us the ability to see from the bigger picture, from your perspective and not our own. To have our eyes focused upon you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we ask all of this, Lord, in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you so much. I'm tempted to do something uh, before I go. Yeah, yeah, I do. See, this is this is the bigger picture. This is the bigger picture here. I'm going to move this around. Hey, guys. Okay, so this is the bigger picture. All right. Here's the... Uh, the cross on a bin, so it stands up. There's the pulpit. And this is the bigger picture that I see 
every day that I come here. All right? And so that's what God sees in the greater perspective of eternity. He sees the whole picture, the whole room, everything that's going on, and be encouraged in that. You only see this much. He sees everything. And in that, I take comfort. God bless. Talk to you guys later, okay? See you at the Zoom meeting. 